TheLinguist.com, the power of language. So that gives us a good uh, sort of perspective on, on the issue of uh, ritualistic democracy, or really imperfect democracy. And, and I think the big point is that all the different imperfections that you've mentioned uh, make people uh, less willing to, to participate, less willing to put the effort in. Uh, therefore, fewer people are members of parties, uh, fewer people uh, vote, and so forth and so on, which weakens the sort of base of our, of our society. Because I, I think fundamentally, as, as, as the famous uh, saying attributed to Winston Churchill goes, it's a terrible system, but it's the best possible system. And if we look at other countries in the world where, uh, I mean, the idea of the benevolent dictator appeals to people because of its simplicity. But uh, inevitably, power corrupts, and a benevolent uh, dictator pretty soon becomes a malevolent dictator. So I agree with you. It's very, very important that we uh, reinforce the institutions of democracy. Now, the other two parts of your trilogy uh, were the um, identity politics, and the sense of entitlement, which I think are also connected with the first, because they, they, I think, are part of what has distorted the first, although there are some fundamental uh, institutional issues in the first that you've touched on. But perhaps you could talk a bit about the other two points. Well, I, I'd like to, but just to finish on the earlier point, uh, the real problem with benevolent dictatorship, of course, is the issue of succession. And the as far as ritualistic democracy goes, the reason I call it that is because... Over time, more and more people are participating simply out of a sense of historic ritual. You'll note that the, um, if you break out to, into the demographic cohorts, who is actually participating these days in uh, voting, it's very much the older people. And the young people from 18 to 30, uh, there's just a tiny fraction of them participating uh, in the process. But now, as to the other two aspects, let's talk about identity politics first. Well, what I mean by that is that we've created, um, with government programs, the, the most infamous of one uh, was a program in the early 80s that the federal liberals put in called the Celebrate Our Differences. I mean, they actually go out of their way to pay money to encourage people uh, to celebrate their differences. And it's, of course, it's a wonderful political strategy. It's the old divide-and-conquer strategy. You get people hooked on the government dole, and then they'll be happy to do your bidding. And we're seeing all kinds of aspects of that unfold over the last 20 years. But we've, we have a, a society now that promotes group identity, you know, so there's sexual orientation or ethnocultural background or religion or whatever it is. People no longer think of themselves largely in terms of autonomous, individual, equal citizens. They turn immediately to their group. Um, this uh, is, a, is a recipe for absolute uh, social disaster. And we're seeing it already starting to, the fabric starting to tear apart. As far as the culture of entitlement is concerned, again, we've created um, the culture, a, dependent, a situation of dependency, where and not just individuals or social groups, but corporations like SNL, Lavalin, Bombardier, people like this, that are hooked. It's like they're drug addicts. They're hooked on government money. No, and there's no such thing as government money. It's the people's money. And the, what the government does is simply redistribute it. And then, you know, reap the political benefits of doing that. And we see the, the classic case recently in the sponsorship scandal in, in Quebec with the Gomery inquiry. But, you know, we could be holding inquiries from now until hell freezes over in this country. There's so many scandals because the government 
using the taxpayer's money has got its hook so deeply into so many different groups. And once you give people things, trying to take them away proves to be virtually impossible. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, a couple of uh, examples of that. Uh, recently, the government, um, on, on, on the basis of competitive bidding, awarded a contract to teach English to immigrants in, a, in an area of Vancouver. And uh, the group that won out was not the group that had had the contract before. And the group that lost uh, very much identified with one ethnic group. And, of course, their ethnic media and press, this was presented as unfair to immigrants and so forth and so on. And all it was was one very long-time, well-established immigrant service organization that had presumably presented a less expensive package and won out. Uh, And so the, the sense of entitlement is so strong. That uh, that the, even though they agreed to participate on this bid based on whatever competitive conditions, once they lo- they lose it, then of course the whole sense of entitlement takes over. Uh, with regard to your reference to uh, to this uh, identity politics, and and uh, and it it applies to uh, obviously uh, a number of things. It could be uh, sexual orientation. It could be uh, I guess professional groups, uh, unions, whatever that people tend to think in terms of their of their uh, narrow uh, uh, group interest. Um, I'm not sure that that wasn't always there. Uh, do you think that is stronger now? I think that's always there. I mean, society, human beings will are incredibly creative at finding ways to divide amongst themselves. And they also, on the other hand, um, like the comfort of being in a group. I mean, that's why youth gangs are coming to the fore, because a lot of these youngsters um, have dysfunctional homes uh, or they're here uh, on their own, etc., and they, they want a sense of belonging to something. Um, but, no, it, it's much worse now. And pretty, I mean, you only have to do is, is follow the stories in the newspaper where you'll see that people clearly uh, will, they'll, you know, one of my favorite examples is that people talk about com- their community. Well, chances are, nine times out of ten when they're saying that, they're not meaning West Vancouver or Richmond or British Columbia. They're meaning their ethnocultural group or their religious group and such as that, or in some cases, you know, the, the sexual orientation, gay and lesbians and things like that. TheLinguist.com, the power of language.